For all the science to satisfy your gut, Deerland brings you Digestible, a podcast breaking down the trends of the nutraceuticals industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Digestible, a Deerland podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the show. Make sure that as you're listening along, you're subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I also want to make sure that you're getting all the Deerland content that you desire. So make sure you're going to our website as well deerland.com again deerland.com for more information on solutions and services but of course other episodes of our podcast and other deerland content like blogs articles videos and more so on today's episode of digestible we're wanting to break down marketing trends for probiotics in the food and beverage industry as consumers are looking to better understand the various functional ingredients in probiotics and distinguish what ingredients meet what specific needs, how can probiotic products better market their ingredients and their impact to a more engaged consumer base? Here to give us insights is Leanne Levy, Director of Marketing for the Food and Beverage Segment for Deerland. Leanne, great to have you on. How are you doing? I'm great, Daniel. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this chat with you today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure getting to chat today and source your insights uh, on this extremely timely topic. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, Before we get into the main topic, why don't you share a little bit more about your background uh, and sort of what perspective you're bringing to the conversation today as a professional in this space? Sure. Well, my background is in both science and marketing. So I'm one of those few that really loves the science and I have a master's in organic chemistry, but I also have an MBA in marketing. So it's really being able to bridge the science with consumer trends, consumer needs, how to position products. So I think I have the best of both worlds. Um, I've been at Deerland now for about six months. Prior to Deerland, I spent some time in the flavor world and it's very fun. It's less scientific in a lot of ways, but it's a great industry working with flavors and natural colors and different proteins. And prior to that, I spent majority of my time in the food and beverage industry working in the hydrocolloid market, which is stabilizers and texturizers, making sure that you have good mouthfeel in your products which is now one of my favorite words. Um, Then prior to that, I was in the world of oil and gas. So I will tell you this, I will never leave food and beverage. It is the best place to be. So that's where I am for the rest of my career. I love it. We've got a dedicated professional on the line with us today. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. All right, Leanne, let's cut to the main content then for the day. So first question for you, consumers are, I think just in general, looking for a better understanding of what goes into their products. There's um, sort of an understanding that there's a whole segment of health conscious consumers. And then even more generally, consumers that maybe wouldn't consider themselves health conscious, you know, I think are more savvy as to what they're shopping for and what they're looking for out of their products and the ingredients in said products. So... How is this consumer-facing pressure manifesting for probiotic products specifically? Well, I think in today's world, consumers are in control, so they can demand pretty much whatever they want. I mean, we live in a world where information is truly at our fingertips. 
And so this has allowed consumers to ask for more transparency in what's going in their food and beverages, how are they made, where are the ingredients sourced from. I mean, really want those that are health focused and even those that are just a little bit savvy, they want to know what they're consuming and what are their families consuming. But really when we talk about the probiotics and how they're marketed, uh, most consumers think about probiotics in natural fermentation products like raw kombucha, yogurt, sauerkraut. Then you have a whole nother set of products that are indicated with added probiotics on the label. So then consumer knows really what the source is, that there's going to be additional functional benefits from those because there is uh, supplemental supply. And when you talk about probiotics in general, there's so many different types of probiotics and more specifically, there's different strains of probiotics. So at Deerlin, our flagship product is a Bacillus subtilis with the strain of DE111. So by having the product list or the nutritional list list out that strain name, that DE111, it then allows consumers to do their own research on that strain to see how the product is supported, like for example, with human clinicals, to really prove their effectiveness through all of this transparency, which is what the consumers are essentially asking for. And I feel like because of COVID, many consumers have had the idea of self-care products placed back in the forefront and these self-care products have had renewed value in their purchasing decisions. Have you seen any COVID-related shifts in customer purchasing decisions in your market segment? Yes or no? And how has that manifested? Absolutely. I think the pandemic has shaped nearly aspect of all of our lives, right? And it really is includes, you know, what we eat, when we eat and how we eat. You know, I was doing a lot of emotional eating there at the beginning because I was stuck at home. Life was very different. And as time goes on, one of the silver linings to COVID has actually been the push of health to the forefront of many consumers' minds. And so then they started changing some of their eating habits and it's really increased the overall awareness and prioritization for one to be more proactive in their health. And as they're trying to do this, they're looking more at food as medicine. They're looking at foods and beverage to see which ones provide additional functionalities as it really plays a vital role in supporting the healthy choices. So I think when consumers are looking for food and beverages that are better for them, they're looking for an array of different functional ingredients. This can be vitamins. We saw an uptick at B, C, and D, uh, minerals, calcium and magnesium, proteins, omega-3 fatty acids, you know, and of course, an uptick in prebiotics and probiotics. So prebiotics are the ones that feed the probiotics. And within the probiotic space itself, uh, consumers are starting to link the benefits of gut health and immunity health because 70% of your immune cells are actually housed in your gastrointestinal tract. So the idea of having a well-balanced gut that not only helps with digestion, it protects from pathogens, it absorbs these vitamins and nutrients, but it actually helps form a stronger immune system. So really taking care of your gut can improve your body's overall immune response. And that's why consumers are looking for more immune supporting functional ingredients, one of which is being probiotics. In case we have any listeners uh, that are joining us that aren't super familiar with how probiotics work uh, in specificity, 
Can you give us that breakdown about how probiotics work and uh, what they are and just sort of clarify their place in the broader food and (laughs) beverage market segment? Of course. The easy way to think about it is probiotics are good bacteria and they fight off the bad bacteria, right? In more of a technical term, you can say that these are live microorganisms that provide health benefits to the host and your host is your GI tract. I also like to describe it as, think of probiotics. So they act as this army, as the the first line of defense to fight off the bad bacteria in your gut and let the good nutrients through. Right. So it's a, it's a massive ecosystem, very complex ecosystem that's going on. But there's a lot of different types of bacteria that are classified as probiotics and they have different benefits and they actually fall into different categories. As I mentioned earlier, some of the natural probiotic rich foods that when you think of like yogurt, kefir, sauerkraut, kombucha, those are really under a category called lactic acid bacteria or more easily known as non-spores. So these are the traditional probiotics that you see in a lot of your dairy-based products. So then you also have something called spore-forming probiotics, which have this protective shell around them, it's called an endospore, that allow them to survive harsher conditions of like the stomach acid, the low pH, the stomach bile. It's a pretty tough environment down there. So to be able to survive that, to actually make it into your small intestines is where you really want the probiotics to get to so they can actually crowd out the bad bacteria and provide all of those additional benefits. At Deerlin, our flagship probiotic, the DE111 that I mentioned earlier, it is a specific strain of a spore former bacteria that not only has the competitive advantage to survive where other spore non-spores don't, but it is also clinically backed and proven to provide a whole series of attributes that really benefit the overall microbiome. The biggest challenge, I think, for probiotics is survivability to really deliver the effective levels and the value behind probiotics. So that's something that all probiotics do have their sensitivities and some are better than others and are hardier and can survive better conditions. But I could essentially spend hours talking about the science, but just knowing that there's different types of probiotics that provide different benefits is really, I think, what consumers need to know. We're going to need to do a follow-up episode on just the science because you're right. There's probably (laughs) an hour's worth of content there at least. At least, yes. But it is very fascinating. And some people want to know the details, others don't. And then that's why you really choose clinically proven probiotics. So you don't have to worry about, is this the right one? Is this good for me? How is this going to benefit me? So I mentioned towards the beginning of the podcast that consumers are a little more savvy as to what they're shopping for, especially our health conscious consumers. How savvy is the consumer in the probiotic market and what sort of education around probiotics are consumers still needing to influence their purchasing decisions? That's a good question because I think it really does depend. As I just said, you know, there's many different types of species of probiotics and the science can get pretty deep. So I would say most consumers are not that savvy. Unless they have some underlying issues and have really done their research, many of them just choose a product is thinking, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Uh, They had a general perception. I know probiotics are good for me. So taking them will only make me feel better. Um, But I think that they also heavily rely on the packaging of the product, the messaging, what are the claims behind it? Uh, They also go to social media 
and look at what's being said there. They're going to talk to their friends and their families or a doctor, nutritionist about what are their suggestions, what's worked for them. You know, a decade ago, I don't think people really talked about their ailments as much as they do now. Now we're so much more focused on our health and wellness. It's not as much of a taboo conversation if you're talking about your IBS or if you're talking about other ailments that your body has, right? Um, it's a little bit more of an open conversation. So I think if a consumer truly is interested in probiotics and wanting to improve their own microbiome and their issues, it's really best that they do their own online research or speak to a professional because it can get very complex. But overall, I think where consumers are looking for and where the education is, it's really up to the brands. It's up to the brands to list out the specific benefits of the probiotics that they're using. But to answer your question, there's still a lot of consumer education that needs to take place. And it's really up to the brands promoting the probiotics to utilize their websites to help educate the consumers or, you know, to list that strain number and then link that back to those manufacturers websites where they can educate them in a consumer friendly language and way. So let's further try to understand exactly what the consumer is looking for from this segment today. So what are consumers just in general looking for in their probiotics products today and why? I think it depends on the consumer. So there's a lot of different types of consumer. I think those that have underlying issues are really to look to incorporate some type of probiotic on a more habitual basis. So therefore, they may be looking at a variety of different types of products to take, or they may be looking at something to take every day at the same time to get that to get that routine set. Um, then you have those customers who have given the option between two similar products, may choose the one with added functionality as a way to be more proactive in their health. Plus there's also uh, consumers that are buying based upon the product labeling claims, uh, familiarity with a brand. We've seen certain brands like Activia was one of the first ones to the market that says not only is yogurt good for you, but if you're really taking yogurt for the probiotics and Activia is going to have a little bit more in it that will help you with your specific um, underlying issues. So that brand and where the brand is looking to connect with that customer that has those needs is also pretty important. Then of course, we're seeing more things go through e-commerce. So then you have online reviews and star ratings, and that can also pursue uh, or persuade a customer to choose one product over another. So of those motivating factors you just mentioned, uh, which do you think are the most influential on their purchasing decisions? Honestly, I think it has to do with the packaging. I mean, packaging is so important in this industry because it tells the story. It tells how you're going to connect with that consumer. It also provides the, the, I want this. I want to feel good. I have this expectation. This is what I am supposed to experience if I take this product. In fact, uh, a lot of the trends that you're starting to see, especially with these health brands and in the functional beverage space, is really the development and promotion of products on what we call a need state. So right now, I'm feeling a little down, so I need like an immunity shot. Maybe I'm feeling a little slow today, so I want a drink or shot that really gives me focus. 
oh, I've had a busy day. Now I need something to help me relax. Or, you know, uh, my stomach's not quite feeling right. Maybe I need something more for digestive health or I need something more for energy. But there's all these different needs type states and it's becoming very personalized. It's what do I need or what do I want right now to help my body out? So that's also how you've seen a shift in the marketing around probiotics is you may be using a probiotic as a base, but maybe you're using it for cardiovascular health. Maybe you're using it for muscle recovery after a workout. Maybe you're using it for, you know, and snacks for your children to help with digestive and um, immunity benefits. And we have all the clinical research to support a wide variety of those different types of health benefits in those essentially those need states. Let's get a little more specific on the different ingredients that you and your team are you know, working on giving advice around marketing for. Can you break down uh, what the different probiotic products do to meet different health conscious consumer needs today and which are really drawing a lot of attention in today's food and beverage landscape? Yeah, as I was saying earlier, the probiotics that are backed by clinicals are the ones that are going to allow you to create additional claims beyond just the uh, digestive, which is what most people know probiotics uh, to be about. I mean, because at Dealer, I mean, we really are based upon the science and we understand that when somebody is taking our products, it is going into their body. So we obviously want it to work uh, really well. But how the research is coming into play, our DE111 is a genome sequence, meaning that our specific strain has certain traits, and these traits give us clue to different scientific studies that we should conduct. So that's why I said, well, probiotics are good for digestive health, but it also links to many other health attributes. And that's where we can say our DE111 is kind of like a Swiss Army knife. So we've done trials to support immune health, where we're really looking at reduction in inflammation. We have cardiovascular health. We have AIDS and muscle recovery and protein utilization. Um, we have studies to show improvement in body composition in athletes. As I just mentioned, we have studies to show the benefit in children and their digestive and immune system. So it's really about what manufacturers understand about their specific strain of their products. So there are other strains out there that have done similar studies. And that strain may help support other benefits like skin health, weight management, uh, cognitive health, women's health, infant health, all sorts of different health benefits. So you really need to rely on the brand, understanding what strains they're using and why they're using them and how are they promoting that product for those different functional benefits. Let's go ahead and wrap our conversation by taking these insights and uh, turning them into some advice for companies that are maybe looking to break into this space. So mm -hmm. as a company is potentially wanting to develop products with a probiotic, either for the first time or maybe refining an already existing product, how should they begin that process? Uh, how can they really match the quality of the ingredients with the target audience and vice versa? Yeah, that's a very good question. So I talk to a lot of different developers, to the marketing team, to R&D, to processing, when we really want to know why are they interested in adding or developing a product with a probiotics, because that's going to help us direct them what type of probiotics they need. Um, we have to understand what type of product are they developing? Um, are they looking for a specific claim? 
Who is their target audience? How are they going to educate on the probiotic? Um, and then once we kind of understand what it is they're looking for at the end, then we kind of back it up and we start asking about, well, explaining that stability is often a challenge. So we spend a lot of time understanding the process conditions, what type of packaging are they going to be using? Is it refrigerated? Are they looking for shelf stable? And then really, you know, understanding what marketing claims are they trying to achieve so we know how to best position the product. And the other thing that's been very interesting is they may currently already have a product line or they could be developing a product line and maybe only one product in that product line or one flavor may have the probiotics and may not push it throughout or across the entire portfolio. So that's also something to understand. Um, whereas others may be looking to want to push it across the entire portfolio or looking for a line extension. So it's a lot of back and forth upfront conversations and education because it really does take a special understanding to on how to handle and actually work with probiotics in various applications and also understanding what their limitations are. I talked earlier about spore-based probiotics being really hardy, right? So they can withstand, you know, the harsh conditions of the of the the stomach, but they can also withstand a lot of the food and beverage processing conditions, but they're still somewhat sensitive to heat and water activity, and that can actually make them difficult to work with. So it is best to start your conversations and work with the manufacturer on your specific situation because every customer, every product, every manufacturing process, and working with this is going to be very unique. I'm not trying to scare you away. I'm just saying, work with somebody that knows what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, <laughs> right. That should be a good prerequisite, like right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You don't just take it and throw it in and, and put it out on the market. That's not really going to provide the benefit that you're looking for. Do you have any examples of, you know, and you don't have to get into specific company names or anything, and you can speak generally, I mean, really, however specific you want to get, but any anecdotal examples of you know, companies launching a probiotic product well that really speaks to both quality of ingredient, quality marketing and aesthetic packaging, and also targeting all of this to uh, a specific target audience that responded well to said product? Yeah, without getting into specific uh, names, I will start more on applications. Sure. So refrigerated beverages is going to be your ideal environment because it, you are able to control your shelf life. You're not applying that added heat. So that's really where you're seeing it. And also with a lot of your refrigerated beverages, we're talking about a lot of freshness. So you have HPP processing. You see a lot more shots in the refrigerated. You have smoothies. You have your drinking yogurts, your non-dairy yogurts, a lot of your non-pasteurized kombuchas. So there's a lot of different types of functional drinks within the refrigerated market that is ideal for probiotics just because of how pro probiotics are. When you start getting into how they are manufactured or processed, probiotics are not going to withstand UHT or retort. You might be able to get through some flash pasteurization hot fell with more of a shorter shelf life. So it's really understanding your manufacturing process for the ideal applications. 
that are out there. Uh, when you're looking more on your foods, your ideal categories are going to be like your ready to eat bars, your fruit snacks, your granola, adding it as a seasoning, uh, instant oatmeals or pancakes, you know, any type of dry serving mix to where it's not sensitive, water active. And a lot of these, um, your beverage, sticks that are out there. Um, you can add them, you can coat it with chocolate or put it into the chocolate or into the yogurt and coat bars or add it into cereals, nut butters, you know, kids puffs, uh, condiments. There's, so there's lots of different ways that refrigerated condiments more or less, or the, the dry powders. It's really kind of what you want to focus on and understand what your ideal applications are. And so your more successful products are going to be within those type of applications. All right, Leanne, we're just about done with our conversation for today. So one last question in closing here. Where do you see the probiotic market moving to in the future? And what do you imagine is going to continue to uh, motivate its growth uh, as well as how we should market said products into the future? I think really getting started and really understanding the overall microbiome. So, I mean, like I said earlier, your gut is a very complex ecosystem. It's also referred to as your second brain. And, you know, the function and the impact of your microbiome has on all of your other bodily process is really fascinating and really complex. Uh, let me say, really fascinating to those people that are interested in it. <laughs> Otherwise, it could be very complex and be over your head and be like, whoa, that's way too much, way too deep. But fortunately, we have a lot of wonderful scientists around the world that are heavily studying this and continue the research to really understand how that, how our microbiome is impacting overall human health, how it's impacting all these different diseases. And, you know, for the future, I really think consumers will continue to look at food as medicine even more as an approach to their overall health and wellness. I see the probiotic category uh, expanding in general. It's going to be more of the biotics. So right now we're starting to see really an uptick in prebiotics. So there's a lot of fibers that are out there that help feed the probiotics, especially the non-spores. Um, you're starting to see symbiotics. So symbiotics is really the combination of the prebiotics and the probiotics. We're starting to see a little bit more of the postbiotics or parabiotics. This is where you're actually getting nutritional benefits from like the non-living microorganisms. I think as our baby boomers continue to age, uh, we're being more focused on our cognitive health. And there's also research in something called psychobiotics, because after all, 90% of your serotonin is actually made in your gut. So just understanding how complex your gut is, all the other impacts of it, it's going to continue to be studied. As I say, we know one thing, we know what goes in and we know what comes out. That part there in the middle, that big old black box is where there's a lot of research and a lot of things that we're going to continue to learn about and continue to see how condition specifics, as I've been mentioning, you know, immunity, skin health, brain health, mental health, prenatal health, infant health, all of these different types of overall body health. We're going to continue to get as consumers be more aware and we're going to see more science being developed and we're going to continue to learn. And I think that's on more of the industry side. That's our job. The job from consumers is really that they're going to continue to demand that we learn more. And we do so in more of a personalized nutrition way. Personalized nutrition is very much on the rise. I'm excited. I'm really looking out for, you know, microbiome testing, how it really links to nutrition. Imagine taking your own test 
and being able to understand what's going on in your digestive or in other parts of your body. What are some of those underlying or potential issues that you could have and be able to then eat accordingly or adjust your diet to where you can really feel better and it can improve one's overall lifestyle. I mean, that's really where the future of this is going to end up and really benefit consumers. And that part's pretty exciting because there's a lot of people out there with digestive issues. And if there's a way that you can start doing this on your own and taking control of your own health and your lifestyle, that's going to empower them. And that's, that's pretty exciting. So I definitely think that's where uh, the movement for this is going to go. And we're going to keep talking about it. People are going to actually start saying the word microbiome, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> It'll help keep me in business now. <laughs> All right, Leanne Levy, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Digestible. Again, we've been chatting with Leanne Levy, Director of Marketing for the Food and Beverage Segment for Deerland. And if folks want to find out more about the work you're doing, Leanne, uh, or just get in contact with Deerland, how can they do so? Yes, I would first direct them to Deerland.com and... Our website has a lot of great resources. There's different product applications. There's a lot of information about our clinicals. There's videos you can watch to better understand how your body digests food. It also talks a lot about the enzymes that uh, we manufacture, but actually our DE111 produces a lot of enzymes that break down uh, your different foods, but it can really inform you a lot about gut health, but in a less scientific way than just reading patents. So hopefully um, it's very user friendly, or you can always reach out to me directly at Levy L-E-V-Y at dearland.com. Leanne, thanks again for joining us. It was a pleasure getting to chat and source your insights on this and looking forward to speaking again soon. You too, Daniel. Thanks again for the opportunity. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of Digestible, a Deerland podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're going to our website, Deerland.com, or subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. Till next time.